0: Welcome into another episode of the Bush League Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and I'm joined, as always, by Mets pitching prospect Trey Cobb. How are you doing today? Pretty good. A
1: lot better uh, after this weekend than I was after last
0: weekend. Yeah, for sure. We, we apologize for not getting anything out last week. We both were pretty busy and still sad about Bedlam, so we didn't even feel like talking for a little while because it still hurts a little bit. I don't know about you, but it definitely does.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It also makes it harder with the old fiancé in the house. Uh, OU yeah. student, so that
0: wasn't any fun either. Yeah, I had people text me after the game, like, how about that game? And I was just like, just stop. Like, I, I don't need this in my life right now. I'm already sad. Man, that was, I guess we can talk about it for a little bit since we didn't get to last week, but Oklahoma State should have won that game. Yeah, it, it really should have. Every,
1: everybody, you know, was like criticizing stuff, but like going into the game, everybody just said, "I hope that
0: we play aggressively." Exactly, and that's you can't, absolutely can't what say that did. we didn't play aggressively. So, no, just it, I mean, there's like the joke like we had many opportunities and we squandered all of them. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, that was the thing that hurt the most. Yeah, it wasn't even like, oh, you came in and blew us out. Like They gave us the game on many occasions. Right, and it was, it was interesting because all throughout your, our Oklahoma State
1: fan life, it's just breaks go that way, breaks go that mm-hmm. way. And then we started getting them on that last drive. It was like the targeting, the, the toe in, the interception, and you're just like, oh, man, this is going to happen. And then it just didn't. But. Yeah,
0: I, I stood there like I couldn't be excited because I called the game about three different times in the third quarter. And I was like, this just isn't going to go our way. And I just stood there like stone-faced like I can't be happy. I can't be happy because I've been the pessimistic OSU fan the entire time. People are giving me dirty looks in the stands. And I'm like, I've seen this all before. <laughs> you know, that was kind of the hard thing. And then, you know, they, I had hope. They brought me in with hope. And then just ripped my heart out again. But, you know, it is what it is. But they, they bounced back last week. Beat Iowa State, you know, it took a 50-50 ball that was an interception. I don't want to hear otherwise, it was. <laughs> I know, I saw, I saw it when, when it happened, I was like, touchdown, interception?
1: I don't know, but I felt like if we went to overtime, we were going to win anyway. Um, because, I mean, we were, we were kind of rolling.
0: Yeah, the offense so. was rolling then. Uh, Mason Rudolph looked incredible, I've talked about that quite a bit this week. You know, on Two Minute Drill and on the CRFF podcast as well. Like, he had one of the best games I've ever seen him play. So that was you know, it, it was a great one, especially on the road. I don't care how it happens. You win an age you're doing something right. You know, I think they they brought some help magic over from uh for the basketball arena to football this year, and then all the help magic's gone because they just lost by twenty at home to uh, Milwaukee or something yeah. like that earlier this week. I think they lost what, four
1: their four of their top scorers. Something like then, that. They're yeah. all young and they're they're gonna have a tough year.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's get Colin Thoreau on the phone. Yeah, we're, we're name-dropping we're name already. We got a former Oklahoma State catcher and now A's catching prospect, Colin Thoreau. He's going to come on. We're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to, you know, just kind of catch up and see how he's doing. because he, he hasn't been uh, – he didn't play – you know, he was at Oklahoma State only for one year. He was the catcher on the College World Series team. So, you know, he helped uh, Trey get a little bit better because he knew he could throw that sinker in the dirt. And – <laughs> Didn't feel bad about it. Yeah. All right. In classic Bush
1: League fashion, we're going to call him on the air. Yeah. Here we go. Let's let's see see how this goes here. Got all the awkward silence, right? Hello. What's up? What's up, Trey? You're live on the Bush League podcast with Trey and Joel. I love that man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right man so uh for our you know slim audience this is a uh, catcher colin thoreau caught at oklahoma state for a year bay area product of california um absolutely mashed in junior college one of you know one of the top catchers in the country coming out of juco chose oklahoma state and we're glad he did because you know everybody knows about donnie walton and thomas Hatch, but we don't get there without you dude so i'm glad you came on uh just kind of go on and Tell us what was that decision? I mean, what got you from the Bay Area to Oklahoma State? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate uh,
2: those kind words, but um, I mean, growing up, uh, I actually had a family friend who played here uh, with Rob uh, Walton, and you know, growing up, all I heard about was Oklahoma State, but you know, never really gave it a thought because you know, kids will up from really end up out here. So, you know, when that became an option in my recruiting process, you know, obviously I knew a lot about the program and the history, and so I was really interested, and, uh, you know, the second I came on my visit, it was like, I knew exactly, it was exactly where I wanted to be, you know, they were the kind of people I wanted to be around, and, you know, they had, you know, this big grand plan of, you know, making a run to the College World Series, and, (laughs) excuse me, and, you know, getting the program back to where it was, and, you know, I wanted nothing but to be a part of that, so
1: it was a pretty easy decision, to be honest. Once I, you know, first step foot in Stillwater. Yeah, I remember your visit. You you came in the in the spring, right? Like because you didn't get to have the fun like football game visit in the in the fall. You didn't you have to come in the spring, and we were up at like Sluder's house. No, no, I came I came at like the end of the fall. Like it was literally like a week before, um, like signing day. So like I didn't. I don't I think I came on like a Monday or a Tuesday that's I, right that's right
2: like, yeah I didn't get to have any fun but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
1: I, saw, I saw what I needed to see yeah that's awesome I remember talking to uh, Coach Lees after you left and off on your visit and he said that dude can catch and I said good we need it um, <laughs> so uh, you know talk a little bit about what were your first impressions when you got to practice and you know you kind of caught your first bullpens was a Was the staff that we had, you know, it ended up being a special one, but it was only special because the dude calling the pitches and and the dude catching the pitches, Um, but what was your first impression? Was it like, you know, these dudes are are legit, they weren't lying when they told me to come here and catch a good staff, or what was it like?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought that I'd caught some good dudes before that, Um, you know, junior college, I was part of some pretty good pitching staffs, and um, summer ball and whatnot, got to catch some pretty good guys, but... Um, I remember coming in and I, I think you were actually the first bullpen I caught and I was just
0: like holy crap you know like nice save uh, <laughs> I <Nice> save <laughs> just, yeah every dude that, that rolled through the bullpen I
2: was just like what in the world did I you know get myself into because we got stuff coming in at 95 and breaking all sorts of ways and I'm like you know this isn't going to be a cakewalk but it's going to be fun because uh, you know these dudes are going to get a lot of people out and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a part of anything else. So it was it was a little of
1: uh, a culture shock at first, but, you know, I was excited about it. I wanted to, you know, handle a staff like that. Yeah, well, I know, I know that our first impression of you was all, you know, pretty much the same thing. I mean, we're throwing bullpens, and it was like, that dude's going to catch 56 games this year. Like, he, he has to. I mean, you're, we're throwing pitches, and we know they're balls. And then you look at it, like Rob's like, hey, good pitch. I'm like, that wasn't a good pitch. He just made it look like that. <laughs> but uh let's go a little bit into like the the future of baseball and what it's looking like hitting uh you have to love the like the trajectory of hitting what what's changing and everything because i mean you have you know some of the most power of any guy i've ever played with um and that's kind of where the ba- kind of where baseball's shifting kind of take us into like what you see like from a hitting standpoint what they're kind of teaching you is it you know t- tell us how like the baseball the home run has been like reborn and they're getting away from the ground ball yeah, well, I mean, I think it's getting to a point where the pitching is getting so
2: ridiculous that, you know, you're not really able to string two, three, four hits together and rally. You know, you're looking to, you know, take one swing of a bat and put a run or two on the board. And that's kind of what baseball is turning into, is power versus power. And um, I think it's better for the game. I think it's more fun that way. I think it's more exciting. Um, you know, it's. I think it's more fan-friendly that way, you know, they people were talking forever about how baseball is boring and they need to speed up the game well all we needed to do was you know roll out a bunch of dudes throwing 100 and get guys pumping out 30 bombs every day every you know every season and I think fans will get back on board but you know um that's definitely the direction it's it's going in and I wouldn't have it any other way because it I guess it kind of fits my style a little bit um you know I'm kind of like a I guess an all or nothing guy you know I like to take big swings try to hit it as far as I can and sometimes you know you get lucky and uh, run into one but um, yeah I mean as far as what they're trying to teach me is you know they don't want to take my power away they want to help me harness it and um, make more consistent contact because in turn you know you'll cut down the strikeouts and if you're making more contact you might hit a couple more you know accidental home runs and you know that sounds good to me. That's music to my ears. So, uh, you know, I like the direction it's going in. I'm excited
1: to see how um, it progresses. And, you know, it should be interesting next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I saw on Twitter last night that uh, Ryan Healy trade uh seattle to the mariners and then uh lookout land lookout landing which is you know like a mariners like girl. she uh follows the minor league and is like one of the most knowledgeable like minor league twitters really um and mariners fans out there tweet i can't believe we traded with oakland and didn't get colin thoreau how does that happen right like do you, are you just like no, you see that and you're like Oh, dang, like, people, like, actually realize that, like, I'm playing baseball instead of, like, you just going to work every day. Like, other teams notice you and notice what you can do. Yeah, no, that's a, that was, that was a trip it was
2: funny, you know, she, like you said, she's, um, an extremely knowledgeable baseball person, um, we have we had, like, a couple of interactions over Twitter throughout the year, so, um, I think she was talking more of the standpoint of, of, you know, just me being a funny Twitter guy, you know, but, I know, uh, but no, that was, that was a cool thing to see. Um, you know, they tell us all the time, and I think it kind of goes along with the Moneyball team of the Oakland A's, but, um, you know, they tell you, hey, you're, you're playing for the other 29 teams, too. You know, don't just worry about what's going on in your organization. You know, don't worry about the things you can't handle, because there's 29 other teams watching what you're doing. Um, so that kind of puts things in perspective, I guess.
0: Yes, Colin, I got kind of going back to you, just kind of mentioned the Moneyball A's and I'm big into the kind of the analytics of the game and kind of what they do. Obviously the movie kind of helped kind of spark that, but do you see a lot of that, you know, in the organization and in the minor leagues? Are they trying to kind of show you guys and kind of fit that the Moneyball, you know, analytics mode of, you know, of baseball and kind of how to play the game in the way they want to, or are they, are you just trying, they're trying to develop you and then kind of show you that as you get closer to the show? No, I mean, they definitely,
2: um, you know, I was just out in instructional league and, uh, you know, we would have meetings about, um, you know, their expectations for, you know, your on-base percentage, your walkout, or your, I mean, your walk-to-strikeout rate, your on-base percentage, what they expect from you at each level um, compared to league average and, you know, how uh, position-specific it is, you know, for each guy, you know, it's going to vary per position, what kind of guy you are. And, you know, they're very specific on um, with you and very upfront with you on, you know, the kind of stats you need to put up to move with them, basically. And, you know, we had tons of meetings about that. We have, you know, our coordinators come in and they tell, you know, guys, hey, we want everybody to see this many pitches tonight and you will win the game, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, they're on top of their stuff. They do a lot of research and what they're talking about and. They're definitely trying to apply it um, at the
0: lower level so guys have a grasp on it, um, hopefully when they get to the big leagues. it's pretty cool. And I, I like that because that's, that's fascinating for me to kind of look at because I want to be a scout someday. So that's, you know, that's something definitely to look into, at least, you know, because it varies obviously organization by organization, but the, you know, the A's take it to definitely to an extreme. But that's, it's really fascinating how, you know, teams go about that and how to operate.
2: No, there's, it I mean, I like, you
0: know, I grew up in the Bay Area. You know, I'm right next to the Giants and the A's. And so it was close to the Moneyball thing. And then to, you know, be in a meeting room and actually see it in in work right in front of my eyes. Um, that was pretty cool. So. so, so you know, in a brief sense, you know, what was your first year of, you know, full season in minor league ball? You were in Belliot or or how do you say it? You know, I know it was a single... Belly, okay, so what what was that like? And you know, what was your you know, kind of your first full season? You know, take take us through that experience. Um, I mean, it, it was definitely
2: everything that I guess kind of the older guys told you to be prepared for. Um, you know, you're going to deal with weather in that league. You know, you're traveling all over the Midwest, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. Um, you're going to be dealing with weather, hot, cold, windy, thunderstorms. Um, you know, you're going to hit a lot of highs, a lot of lows. You know, it's a lot of games, 140 games, and, you know, you're playing to basically get out of it and move up and play 140 games somewhere else, and then, you know, hopefully play 162 one day. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but, I mean, overall, you know, it was a really good learning experience for me. Uh, you know, I learned how to fix my body over that length of time, and um, so I think that was the best thing. I was able to stay healthy so that I could be durable behind the plate and, you know, hit a couple home runs, and
0: now i just got to hone it in a little bit. So, um, yeah, overall I'd say it was a good experience for sure.
2: All right.
1: You got anything else, Trey? Yeah, I wanted to ask you. So I know that, like, what, you know, one of my favorite memories and stuff are from my Oklahoma State career. So when you look back, I mean, you were only here for a year, but it was probably the best year you could have ever been here. Um, You know, we got to – we were a part of a team that all year we kind of – struggled but not struggled in the sense of like a normal college baseball team we struggled because we knew how good we were and we didn't win every single game like we expected to um but so okay so take me through and see if i have the same thing when when did you know that the team really put it together and that year was going to be able to make a run and what was your favorite memory from your whole time at oklahoma state you know baseball non-baseball whatever i mean to be honest with you like I mean, we always talked about it, and I
2: noticed it from the first time I was in that locker room. Like, it was like, hey, you knew right off the bat, like, hey, this is how we do things here. If you don't like it, get out, and you know, because you won't be a part of this, you know. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm on board. Let's go. Like, this this team's going to be special. And you were always telling me how, um, hey, we've had good teams here, but, you know, this team's special. This team's different. Like, we're going to do something cool here. And so that was just always kind of the mindset, and I don't know. I, I, you know, we had low times, but it was always, all right, we're close. You know, we're gonna break through soon. Um, But I don't know. We just showed glimpses of being great at all times. I can't really think of a specific time when I saw it happening, but I just knew we were all kind of waiting to break out like we did in the playoffs. And then I guess I don't know. I don't really have the best memory. It's just. I tell these guys all the time, you know, I live with Donnie and Colin, uh, Costello and I tell you guys all the time that I'm jealous you got three and four years here, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't really have a specific best memory,
1: I've, I've enjoyed my whole year here, so. Dang, that's, that's pretty sick, I mean, I got my two favorite Colin Thoreau memories. I have, number one is obviously the absolute bomb you hit at South Carolina. That,
0: I think that ball's still coming down from orbit. <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> that ball was absolutely crushed, and like I remember, I was in the dugout, and we we're like, "It's a close game," and I'm, you know, nursing like a one-run lead on the road in this like hostile environment. It's like 130 degrees, and then you just unleash on a ball, and I was like, "All right, I can breathe. Like we're we're, we're good." Uh, so that one, That's and that then, it was it was just three-run bombs. Three bombs all day. And then, you know, we had we had a lot of, uh, you know, little mix-ups uh, when you'd call a slider and I'd throw a fastball, or you'd call a fastball and I'd throw a slider. But my, uh, definitely the most interesting memory was, we're in the Big 12 tournament, and you call slider and I throw a fastball and miss my spot and throw it in, and you're setting up out, dude fouls it straight back and hits the umpire in the neck Ooh. and just drops him in the Big 12 tournament. And the look that you gave me after that happened, I was like, oh, man. He thinks I, like, I don't know what he's thinking. Like, I might have got squeezed before, and you're like, did he do that on purpose? Like, that. I think that was, like, the first thought. You looked at me like, oh, my gosh. Did he just do that on purpose? But, yeah, so those are my two favorite... Colin Thoreau memories on the field. We can't really talk about my favorite Colin throw memories off the field. Um, we had some yeah, good. We had, ti- we had, we had, had some good times. Time. Definitely, many more to come. All right, man. Well, I know you got to get to lessons tonight. I'll I'll see you out there. Uh, I'm sure. But thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks, Colin. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. I appreciate it. I'll be. Uh, you just got a new uh,
1: member of the podcast. So call me anytime. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man.
0: Gotta love it. You know, that, that was awesome. And then, yeah, I, I still think back about that home run that he hit because I just got sit, sat down to watch the game. I'd just gotten home from work, and I turned on right as he hits it. I was like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> this is going to happen. Yeah, well, he hit the most random just, you
1: know, because he, he struggled a little bit hitting that year. Yeah. But would yep, so run into one. The fans just see the numbers, and I'm like, why is he in the lineup? Well, every pitcher, if you asked him, who Do you want yeah. to catch?
0: You're like calling the row every yeah. time. I, I remember I definitely had that thought, you yeah. know, and it not not even in a bad way, but just there are times when I'd see him go over three with the hat trick, and I'm like, man, what is he doing in the lineup? And then I'll go to the game the next day and he blocks the ball in the dirt, just picks it out like Salvador Perez. I'm like, ah, oh, that's why, yeah, you yeah. know, and then you, you got to have guys like that, you yeah. know, you may not, you know, there are guys that you have in the lineup, you know, that hit, you know, 320 with 30 bombs, but they can't feel for anything. But then you have guys that, you know, may not be the best hitter, but they're going to, you know, make the defensive play every time. Yeah,
1: and he's really incredible because he's a guy that is so good defensively that after the first bullpen he caught me, I'm like, that guy's a big leaguer. He's going to play in the big leagues, and I still think he is. And his swing is improving every year. So he never had a bad swing. No. He was just, you know, he would just miss balls, and then, like, he'd go through a little struggle where he'd lose his confidence, and then he'd hit six home runs in, like, five games. Yeah. And then struggle a little bit again so we all know it's there and he knows it's there and the more he works on it, i mean he hit like 17 or 18 home runs this year in a tough yeah. league to hit home runs um i think that he's going to be a guy that you've seen the big leagues within two years and then you know he's he, he could be a 40 home run
0: catcher one day that yeah is i mean he's making definitely, big time money yeah, especially in the new age of baseball now where you're talking about launch angle and you know all these different you know swing you know paths and stuff i mean It works for him, and he just has that swing path that you know he's gonna run into one. He may you know strike out 170 times, but he'll hit you 25, 30 bombs a year. Yeah, and And you need guys like that, especially when you can be durable back there. And he's a big guy, so he can handle 162 games.
1: Yeah, no problem. I mean, he and and he's super clutch, and you can't teach clutch. You you can't teach that at all. You know, he had an unbelievable postseason for us. An awesome big twelve tournament. I mean, the dude always got the hits when you needed him to, Mm -hmm. and you can't teach that.
0: All right, so what's to do next? You know, do we want to do we want to go talk a little bit of a little, little more baseball? But now that we're in the off season, we're getting into winter meetings and free agency, and we're about to see a ton of money thrown around. So do you want to go into a little bit of a free agency game? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're gonna we just took you know five or six you know the big name free agents in uh, you know professional baseball, and we're gonna pick the team that we think they're gonna go to and the years and the money and see what happens. Obviously, we're more than likely going to be wrong, but it's kind of fun to just think about, you know, that's who we want to see, where we think they're going to end up. Yeah,
1: well, let's do, you do, since you're the, you're the money years guy, let's do, you do the years and money, and then I'll give you my opinion on whether or not they deserve it. Okay, that, yeah. I'm, I'm good with that, absolutely. You, you know, you hit it on me, and I didn't have that much time to, uh, research it, and you're you're better with this stuff as the future, you know, scout GM yeah. type guy. So uh, let's see what you think they
0: deserve, and then we will see what I think they deserve. Best part of this, we did not have this conversation beforehand. We just thought of this right off the cuff, yeah. And, and that's what tell. makes this podcast so great. Yep. All right, so let's go into the pitcher first. Jake Arrieta, um, he's coming into his age 32 season. Uh, he's you know for this is the first big free agent contract he's really going to have. But for me, like. If you're 32, you only got about maybe three good years left as a pitcher. But yeah, I think he's a Scott Boris guy, so you know he's going to get a decent contract. I'm saying I think he'll get five years, 100, and I think. I mean, that's not even a knock on him. That means 20 million a year, and pitchers are going for almost 25 to 30 now. But I think just the age is going to be a little bit of a concern for teams moving forward, um, and just the wear and tear he's had the last three seasons, going to the playoffs, into you know a World Series, you know, two and. I don't know. I I think I said five years one hundred to the Rangers. That's my pick. Um, I, I think they're gonna try and obviously the Rangers are still kind of in a rebuilding process, but if you have Arietta and Hamels there, you know, that that's a decent team I and mean, you can you can build around that.
1: Yeah, I think that somebody's gonna make a mistake with Arietta and somebody's gonna eat some money. I don't think he's gonna get as much money as he thinks he's going to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um because you you look at the guy, he has weird mechanics you know, given he's a physical freak and he's yeah. incredibly flexible and a talented pitcher, but he's 32 and the past has shown with these guys that have these weird, funky deliveries, like Weaver, like Weaver was throwing 95 nasty, just like hey, every other. Yeah. Those guys, when they get older, their body can't repeat that crazy delivery as much. He's going to, especially if he goes to a place like Texas, he's going to be hot all summer. It's going to wear on him. He's going to, you know, he likes a cold, He'll never wear sleeves, anything. Um, Personally, I think that he's going to go to a place where I think if Texas's stadium was done He'd by the time there, yeah. he would go there, I think he's going to go to a place where he could go a controlled environment where he doesn't have to move his family a lot. I could see him going to Milwaukee. I mean, okay, I saw that was another team that was interested in him. Same, yeah, same and I division, and, I and that, that makes sense for me. You know, he's comfortable with the division. He's comfortable right. with the travel that they're going he to have. He wants to hit. He wants to hit. He's going to be. In, he wants to be in the National League. I feel like. Texas would be nice because he's close to his home and where he right. grew up but Milwaukee for him it's not that far of a move for his family and he can hit and he's in a controlled environment every time he plays a home game and um, you know they're they they fit for me perfectly for him um I know a lot about Arietta cuz I'm a Cubs fan but not the other guys really. Right. Uh money wise, but the, the Brewers fit for me for Arietta because the Brewers seem like they're just ready to make a mistake. Like they're like, yeah. okay, we can compete now. We got the guys. Let's go get a big free agent. Let's go get the guy that throws really weird. That's had an inconsistent career and let's give him a lot of money. Yeah. And he's going to go there, and he's going to be good for one or two years, and then they're going to be yeah, paying albatross him. for contract. Yeah, then he's going to be they're going to be paying him, and he's not going to be good anymore. And he's going to have a four ERA, and you're giving him twenty million a year, and you're like, "What are we doing?" But um, so I could see that happening with him.
0: Yeah, I I think he's a great pitcher, but man, when you throw across your body like that for so long, it's just not. It's not. He's not going to be able to sustain it. I think he's a great pitcher, and obviously he had that incredible year in 15. Like, that was otherworldly what he did. But then he's regressing. I mean he's, I mean, he's still a 3-5 ERA guy, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's solid in the major leagues. But for the expectations and the capability that he has, he hasn't necessarily lived up to that in the last two years. And I think even his ERA for a while in uh, this year was in, like, 4-4. So, you know, he had that really good stretch again in the second half, but I just don't know if he can sustain it for a full, full season you near know, 30 starts. But yeah. we'll see. You yep. know. we'll see. Yeah, I think I think go, I think Texas will. I think Texas will throw the money at him. But I think Milwaukee would be a good fit too. I, I that's a solid pick there. All right, next thing we're gonna go to Eric Hosmer. We got three Royals coming up here. Obviously, you know the core. So that's your guys. Yeah, those are my guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, watched all of them. You know, coming up to the major leagues. So you know, it's been cool to see their progression. And you know, they're gonna leave Kansas City, and that's gonna hurt because the well, Royal, the Royals are about to lose 95 games the next two years, but. You know, I'm, I'll still love those guys. I mean, they were great to the city. They brought a lot to the city. And now they're doing what we all thought they are going to do. They're going to go and make money somewhere else. Um, Eric Cosmer, the first guy, I mean, he did exactly what you need to do in a contract year. Had, you know, I think right around a career high in batting average, career high in home runs. You know, his RBIs were solid. Another gold glove. And this is third or fourth. Silver slugger. I mean, he did every, I mean, his pay, you know, what teams are going to pay him just kept going up as he kept racking up these awards. Um, Boston needs a first baseman. Hanley Ramirez is just a defensive nightmare. He has been since he left Miami. Um, I think they'll make him a full-time DH. I think Boston's going to go into, they're gonna They're going to throw a ton of money at him because they have the market. They have the, the payroll. They can they can handle it. I, and he's going to get eight years. You know, he's 26 or 27. You know, I think, I think he's fully capable of getting that type of money. But I'll, I'm going eight years, 200. And I think that's definitely overpaying him, but someone will throw the money at him for it
1: yeah i feel uh, out of the three royals that are you know they're they're three kind of core guys um that are leaving this offseason uh he's the one that you're like okay this dude is an absolute star mm-hmm. right so he's gonna be and, and i worry about kane and moustakis are they big market stars or are they are small market stars and you look at hosmer you know he's got the looks he's got the his style of play you know and you pay with him you pay for the glove and then you hope his bat stays consistent because that glove stays consistent absolutely and so I think Hosmer's deserving of you know max whatever whatever he can get go for it uh you know and he's gonna he, he's gonna fit well with any team that he goes to but I you know I like him in, in a big market and or, or a big profile division
0: and stuff like that mm-hmm. I think that he'll thrive yeah Originally, I was thinking New York, but I think they're going to stick with Greg Bird. I think that I was thinking New York when he was still kind of a question mark, but he came back on in the postseason and just killed it. So I think I think he'll end up going to the rival. The reason I thought, because everyone, you know, he has power, but obviously he's been kind of handicapped with that being in Kansas City, and he still was able to hit 25. I can only imagine what he'd do in a short porch. So, I, you know, the Yankees would go and get him because they know, oh, this dude's going to hit 40 home runs down 314 down the line. yeah, And then still provide you go glove defense. But I think he'd have a good year in Boston. You know, he can he'll wrap the ball around pesky pole you know twenty or twenty five times during the season, and I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a great player anywhere he goes. I don't really see him falling off you know until maybe the end of his contract, but even then he'll still be a solid solid major leaguer. Um, next, up, Mike Mustakis he again kind of did what Hosmer did. He had a really good year in his contract year, finally tapped into the power that we've all been waiting for um, as Kansas City fans. You know he he ha- that was all we heard about him was that this guy's you know thirty thirty five home run power, and it took until this year to really find it. Now granted last year he probably was going you know hit around 30 to 35 but he blew out his knee in April and that was the end of that um, but I, I really think you know he's still a solid player he's not going to get Hosmer money he's a little bit older defensively he's solid but he's not you know the same you know fantastic player um, you know consistently that Hosmer is he still will strike out quite a bit he'll hit into the, he's gonna in ground out into the shift quite a bit but he'll still run into one provide you need a league average defense I'm, I think he's gonna go back home I think he's gonna go to LA um, not the Dodgers, the Dodgers got Justin Turner. I think they're good there. So I think he's going to go to the play for the, L- the LA Angels. And I think five years, 85 is about what he, you know, I think that's what he can, he's going to get for now because he's kind of limited defensively. You know, he's put on a little bit of weight the last couple years, at least we, that I've seen. And, but he'll, he'll still hit for power, provides another middle of the order bat for Mike Trout. You know, you can, you can kind of protect him a little bit with him. Um, and I think Trout can even protect Moose at times, especially if he gets on high, because you know, he hits home runs in bunches. You know he'll he'll go for a three week stretch. Where he won't hit one, and then he'll hit eight or ten in a four or five game stretch. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking with him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think that you know the Royals kind of said we're not going to re-sign any of these guys. We can't afford it. Yeah. Um, I think they could afford, afford to re- re-sign him. I mean he's he's good, but it's just one of those things where his his swing to me is long, and there's holes in it, and he's streaky and. That that's not a guy that I'm, you know, I'm not gonna pay for that guy. Guy that when you see, when you see a regression in body type and shape Mm -hmm. and stuff coming already, and he's not that old. No, he's not 28. And his body's already regressing a little bit. Those guys aren't gonna last as long. Um, You know, I think I mean, good for Kansas City. I think for getting him off the payroll because I think that you know, they were able to kind of get him, and I think that he his prime is probably. Last year, this year, and then two more, and then he's done. I think that he body his body's going to regress. I could be wrong, but that's just kind of what I see when I watch him play. It's just like it's a guy that every time he hits one, I'm there, there's the guys where when, when they don't hit home runs, I'm like, how'd they miss that? Or like, mm-hmm. or you know, it's like you're shocked that they didn't hit a home. Run. Like when you watch Trout and he like strikes out, you're like, what just happened? Right. But when I watch Moustakis and he hits a bomb, I'm like, what just happened? Like I feel like every mm-hmm. time I watch the Royals, he struggles, 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 run into one and i mean just the type of type of player i you know i like that that guy doesn't fit my lineup um so i, I mean i think the royals should either you know good for them for getting him off of them off their payroll but you know if he doesn't go to the angels he could he could stay home and and i mean it, it, i think that he'll test the market realize maybe
0: there's not as much out there as he thought there I was i was Gordon a couple and, years ago yeah, but then and, again that was an awful awful contract the royals threw at him so yeah, i'm not i'm not even going to get into that cuz i'm still angry about it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna test the market, see what they have, and then realize it's not as much, and then he's gonna maybe go back to Kansas City.
0: Yeah, the the only thing is, I mean, there's there was this talk, at least at the beginning of free agency, that the Royals were gonna try and throw the money together to resign a guy like Hosmer or a guy like Moose, but he's a they're both Boris clients, so there's you know there's no way they're gonna stay in uh, in Kansas City. Yeah. That, that, once I found out that he, Moose was, i like, oh, he's gone too. Like They're all going to go. I, I just don't foresee the Royals trying to re-sign any of them. They're going to they're gonna budget it for a few years, rebuild the, far, the farm system, and they're going to have another run in about 2018, I think. I bet, I bet, you know, oh shoot, it is 20, 20, I, I, 2020, 2021, maybe. Yeah. It's going to be a few years, I think. Um, I don't know. I was thinking in terms of 2015 and on, but, yeah, it'll be a while. Uh, next guy, now the final royal here. We had Lorenzo Cain, really good defensively. He's a decent hitter. He'll run into one every now and then, but you know you're signing him for the glove and you're signing for the fact he'll get on base. He's not a big RBI guy. The Royals put him as a three hitter for a while, but he's just not a run producer. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's a table setter. So I think you put him as the one or two hole in your lineup. He'll steal you 25, 30 bags. He's going to play great defense. He's going to get on base and he's going to you know score runs for your team. I you know and he is 31. I think he's going to start to regress, at least with the bat here in the next two or three years. So I don't think teams are really going to throw a ton of money at him like they would have maybe in 2015 if he had decided to go and not hit arbitration. So I said four years, 65 uh, for him. And I think he's going to end up in San Francisco. They had one of the worst defenses, defensive outfields in baseball. And I think you put him in that big ballpark, he's going to go, and that's a giant center field. He played a giant center field in Kansas City, and he was able to run just about every ball down. So even if you hit it in triples alley, he might go get it. And I think that would be a good fit for him. You know, still, a, you know, a decent market. Not a. I don't think he's a big market star, but San Francisco is still a big enough team and a big enough fan base, and I think he would. I think he would fit in pretty well there.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. I like. I like. I like Kane a lot. I like watching him play. I, I like the speedy guys that can also run into balls. Um, and anytime you see a commitment to defense, I really like that as a pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I was thinking the same thing. Whenever you brought his name up, I was like, that dude would fit perfectly in San Francisco. Like yep. Those people are the same way. They're going to love a commitment to defense. You know, you think about like the big-name guys there, Buster Posey, elite defensively, Brandon Crawford, elite defensively. Hunter Pence is pretty good, too. Yeah, and yeah. so
0: you add him to the – I think he'll be a star down there. Yeah, I think he'll be good. As much as I hate it because I'm so bitter from the 14 World Series, but, yeah, I think the Giants would be a good fit there. Uh, the next guy, JD Martinez. He's kind of come out of nowhere, at least the last couple of years, and just started hitting bombs. And when you hit behind Miguel Cabrera, you're going to be a good player and you're going to learn how to hit. And he goes to Arizona at the trade deadline and starts mashing baseballs. And he, you know, kind of, he was going to be a pretty good free agent name. And now he's just, you know, exponentially brought up the money he's going to be able to bring in. And recently, he fired the agent he had before and hired Scott Boris into his free agent year, knowing that he's going to get a lot of money. And right now, I've, I've read a couple articles that's saying you know he's in, he wants 7 years 210 million and that's a lot of money for a 30 year old outfielder that can't play outfield but i think some teams are going to give him that money because we're in the new age of baseball home runs you know they're great we don't care if you strike out we just want you to hit home runs and the team that needs a guy in the outfield that can hit home runs is St. Louis and i would not i don't want to see him go to St. Louis but i think they'll go i think they'll give up gritch i think they're almost ready to give up on gritchick they sent him down to the minors multiple times this year he hasn't necessarily been able to figure out I think Piscotty's pretty good. I think they'll keep him in right field, but I think you can put JD Martinez in left field there. And I think he'll hit, you know, 30, 35 there in that stadium. And I think I think he liked playing in the national league. You saw that a little bit when he went to Arizona. Um, I think that's where he'll end up in St. Louis. I think they'll I think they'll throw the money out when they normally don't do that. I think this is kind of the exception there. They need to kind of get some more guys that can hit for power in that, you know, in that lineup
1: yeah that makes sense to me I mean their fans were not very happy this last season I mean they had Dexter Fowler was their big sign in the offseason he didn't really do much Um, so I think that would get them excited again and that's a really hard to please fan base because they're they expect greatness and you know they miss the playoffs for the first time in forever and they're just like fire everybody our team's terrible it's like you guys finished like second or third in the division. Like it wasn't like a terrible year. Dude, no, it wasn't a bad year. I think they uh, still finished about 500. Yeah, I mean, though the, the Cardinals, they're going to win. I think that's a good move. Um, I don't know if they'll give him that much money um, if he wants to sign there, but um, you know, I could, I could see him going to St. Louis. Who knows if, if could you imagine the Yankees lineup if they just put him
0: in the DH? Oh my God, I hate the Yankees so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they would, they would throw the money out, but I think they're waiting until next year. Yeah. It's a 2018 class. If we think this is crazy. Next year is going to be even crazier. Yeah. I think Scherzer's going to opt out of his contract probably with the way he's been pitching because I think he has an opt out clause after three years. He'll hit free agency. Josh Donaldson will hit free agency. Manny Machado hits free agency. Bryce Harper hits free agency. Yeah. And then Trout hits free agency, I think, in 2020. So you're going to see, I mean, Harper Machado's getting $400 million. Yeah, which is just ridiculous to think about, but you know that some team is saving up for one of those guys. Harper's going to Chicago. I I've heard that. And I that would not surprise me, and I would love it. I yeah. don't want to see him go to New York, yeah. even though I know he wants to go to New York. I, yeah. I've heard Chicago is another spot for him too. I think I think Machado will end up in New York. They need a third baseman.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I think he, I think that's where he'll end up. But that's that's time for you know another day. The last guy that we thought of. Um, He's a guy that's coming over. hasn't played in the major leagues yet, but he's another Japanese product. Shohei Otani played, You know, he's a pitcher, a designated hitter, outfielder. For those of you who don't know who he is, and he is you know equated over there to being like a Babe type player. Like he is a transcendent type player is what everyone is talking about. Even major league scouts are saying this this guy is special. And when you're hearing that, teams are going to throw out money for him. Now the interesting thing is he's 23. And with the new international rules, you can't, you know, sign a guy for an exorbitant amount of money and have the, like the you Darvish type of, you know, posting, you know, fee. I think the Rangers paid sixty-five million just to talk to him. You can't do more than twenty million now. So now it's okay. Which team does you want to go to? And from what I've been reading about Shohei Otani, he doesn't want to go to a big market. Now, obviously, Chicago, New York, L.A. They all want him because he's just that good of a player. But he wants to go to a smaller market where he can just play and not have to worry about the big media hype which I respect. You know, he's not just chasing the money. He actually wants to go somewhere and just play baseball. And one team that loves their Japanese players is Seattle. And I'm a Seattle fan as well as Kansas City, so I would be very very excited if we can get Otani. And I think one of the reasons why the Mariners, you know, and I think Otani might want to go there is that the Mariners have said they are willing to let him pitch and hit. Now, They'll, they have a lot of money tied up in Robinson Cano. They have a lot of money tied up in King Felix, but I think they'll be able to get together 20 million to, uh, to be able to sign him and at least talk to him and work out a contract from there in two years and they probably they'll be able to re-up because Felix will be at the end of his deal. Cano is probably going to retire here in the next three years, so you're going to have that. Um, they actually the Mariners made a deal earlier today. They traded away one of their um, one of their reliever prospects, uh, Thiago Vieira, to the White Sox, for international money. So they're able to start putting together money for the international prospects so they can go and talk to them. So to me, that that's a sign that the Mariners are serious about trying to go get him.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense because, you know, Ichiro is a legend here. Yeah. I and mean, he's a god in Japan. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, he grew up watching Ichiro right. playing with the Mariners. So it, it, it's it's different because, you know, the cultures are different, so the respect is different, right? Mm-hmm. So, maybe you know, maybe... I, I'm not really sure how they're respecting and, the, and their culture works, but I know ours is like, wow. Like, so, say, like I love Derek Jeter. I want to be a shortstop, just like Derek Jeter with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. What if you know he could be like, well, Ichiro's my favorite player of all time. I don't want to go to the Mariners because I want his legacy to be. Right. I want the Mariners to be that. his legacy. Um, you know, that it could work that way, or he could just be like, I want to go to the Mariners because Ichiro's there. Yeah. Um, and he's but even... they do have a huge, huge Japanese following. Every time you watch a Mariners game, there's, like, Japanese, like, Everything, advertisements yeah. well, everywhere. And the interesting
0: thing is he also kind of mentioned he wants to play in a smaller market where there's a Japanese population, so, like, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle, right on the coast right there are three markets where that fits kind of what he wants. So I, I could see it, and I, I think it would be awesome, and it would definitely be – an experiment, And the Mariners are, I don't know what they're doing, whether they're rebuilding or whether they're still trying to go for a championship run. They've been one year away for the last like four years. And I've been hearing that as a fan and I'm like, okay, just decide. You know, go make a big splash and try and, you know, try and go for a postseason run for the first time since I was five. Or just rebuild, tear down, and try and build again like you, you did a few years ago. But I think Otani would be an excellent experiment for either one. Because you have a guy that can pitch, and then he's also going to hit for himself and play a little bit of outfield. So if they do that, I think the Mariners would try and go to a six-man rotation. I think that would that would be the way to do it because you have James Paxson, great pitcher, can't stay healthy. King Felix, he's getting older, can't stay healthy, and you need him for at least 20 starts a year. So I think the Mariners would probably try that six-man rotation and just build around him and see what happens. Yeah, and it, it, it would be the great baseball experiment. Yeah. It would, and I'd be fascinated to see what they do with it. Yeah, it would be interesting for sure. Um, and then the last guy, he's not a free agent, but you know he's gonna go somewhere else, John Carlos Stanton. The Marlins, Derek Jeter's their owner, so they're trying to completely rebuild, tear down, get shed payroll. They said they're trying to get around ninety million, so that means shedding the contracts of Stanton, D. Gordon, and Martin Prado are the three you know, the three guys are trying to get rid of so they can get down to that ninety million. And Stanton's obviously the big name, and I think he's gonna be traded. I I I don't see any way that he stays in Miami, and I want to see him go to a contender so we can watch that power bat in the postseason and to me the only team that really and he said he doesn't want to go to the red sox doesn't want to go to the cardinals because the thing people forget he still has a no trade clause on that 13 year contract that he's this he, this will be the fourth year of that and to me i think the only team that really fits that he could go to is the dodgers i don't say i don't see i don't see him going to new to the yankees i, I just i don't see that even though he would hit about eighty-five thousand home runs in that stadium I, I think he'll end up in la he's from that area I think they'll make the trade for them. The Dodgers have the farm system and they have the money, and I think that that fits perfectly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why not. I, I think that Derek Jeter's got gonna get them rolling in the right way. I think so too. Um, you know, because obviously those three dudes that are like their organization, you know, they're not getting it done. No, they I mean, you, you. It's like it's like in football when they sign like a bunch of te- bunch of teams like sign like wide receivers and running backs you're like, well, if you don't have an offensive line, what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. And it's the same thing with the Marlins. Like, sure, they can hit, but they don't pitch. At right. all. And so they need to go out and get some young pitching. Um, and so I, I could see them trading the Dodgers and then getting a big-time bullpen arm from yep. the Dodgers. And then, you know, a couple young a couple young starters. That I, I really think
0: Julio Arias like. would not be out of the question yeah. for them. And he, he could be that front-line guy that the Marlins need. And he's a special pitcher. I've watched him. I watched him in Oklahoma City when he was on a rehab assignment, and man, like, he had 10 strikeouts in five innings. And, I mean, he made it just – he made these guys just look stupid. Like, he's a great pitcher, and he's only 20. Yeah. I, I don't even think he's 20 yet. Yeah, so I could see, like, a, a trade with him and a big bullpen guy. And yep. They got a uh, – what's what's his name? Walker Bueller? I, oh, yeah. The dude throws 100.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, no, the – now, hear me out on this one. This will never happen, but I just want to see it happen. They're trying to, you know, market baseball to hit home runs. Just tell, like, have Rob Manford call tomorrow and say, "Hey, trade him to the Rockies." Yeah. And then you put him in that stadium for 81 games of the year, you will see about 100 home runs from him. Yeah. Now, I think that will never happen, but I would just love to see that because I think that would be incredible. <laughs> that would. Yeah. Because you put him in that lineup, and you got, uh, you got Charlie Blackman, you got Nolan Arenado, you got Trevor Story. You know, par is pretty good. You know, you. Mark Reynolds and just put him in that stadium and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, uh, the, See, and if I'm a big time home run hitter, I'm like, trade me to the Rockies. Absolutely. You know, why, why would I go to L.A. when the ball doesn't travel there at night and yeah. we play a bunch of night games? Like, send me to Colorado.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that would be that would be crazy and that would be fun. And also, my friend just texted me and said, the because uh, the Royals gave their uh, the, the qualifying offers to those guys and Moose and Haas declined it, obviously. Yeah. So, we know that they're going to go free agency and then we'll see what happens from there. But breaking news. There we go. There we go. Alright, so what to next? Uh, let's
1: talk a little college football madness and what, what needs to happen for Oklahoma State. Chaos. Just chaos everywhere. Please. Every ever just everything happen. Right. And so and, and so you hear like chaos everywhere, right? But that's almost what doesn't need to happen for Oklahoma yeah. State to make the playoff. That's true. And so like Oklahoma State making the playoff is actually a boring scenario. Yeah. And Alabama went out and then you need you basically basically the ACC is getting one in because yeah. the one loss Miami's not going to get in. Yeah, if they lose the if they lose to Clemson,
0: Clemson wins out they'll get in. Right,
1: whoever wins in that ACC is going to get in. Yeah, the Big Ten is a one league team or one team league. You see, you say that, but I think they'll still Ohio, they'll still find
0: a way to sneak Ohio State in.
1: See, but if but if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, that's three losses. They're done. They'll they'll be done. Yeah, but if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, everybody's so down on Wisconsin that Wisconsin's done. Yeah. And so the Big Ten's a one-bid league. ACC's a one-big league. But the SEC, if Alabama doesn't win out, they're getting two teams in. Yep. Because
0: if Alabama loses to Auburn, Alabama's in. This is the year where we're going to see a 2 loss team get into the college Ball playoffs. Right. And in some capacity, it's going to happen. Right. And I still think, realistically, if Auburn wins the SEC, I think they could sneak in. Oh, for sure they're in, because they beat Alabama, then they beat They'll Georgia, be Georgia, they're in. They beat Georgia twice. Yeah, they're in. But I, then then
1: your four teams are going to be Big Ten champion, ACC champion, Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. Because Alabama's going to get in with it, one loss. It's like
0: contractually obligated. like They have to be in the playoffs.
1: Right. And so, you want Alabama to win out. That equals three losses for Auburn, two losses for Georgia, and they're not getting in. The Pac-12 is a disaster. Yeah. Right? So, you need... USC to not win the conference because everybody everybody's so down on the Pac-12 except the media loves USC and the College Football shocking, Committee right, loves USC. Right? So if USC gets one more loss somewhere, they're done. Yep. So we can hope for a Washington and or then, Washington State to win the right win the Pac-12 right. And if USC's done, they're not. No, they're, no, they're nobody from Pac-12 is getting in, and that means a Big Twelve champion's going to get in. Yep. Because if you win the Big Twelve championship game, you have two losses. Yep. And, so, you gotta, and
0: one of those teams is going to get in at some. You point. You have two losses or one. That team's getting in. Yeah. So that's See, all now, that has the to thing happen. is we would we would sneak in as the four seed. That means we play Alabama, which means I won't watch the game because it'll be over in the second quarter, <laughs> which is just terrifying. I mean, just playing Alabama is just a terrifying proposition to begin with.
1: Isn't that crazy though? That like the only thing that really needs to happen for Oklahoma State to have a
0: chance is Alabama went out. Yep. That that's crazy. <laughs> and I mean, to think there's still a chance after all the chaos that's happened with Oklahoma State this season that they still have a they still have an opportunity. Yeah. Now, a lot of this hinges on this weekend, Texas Tech and TCU. Yeah. And Darius Anderson's out. Kenny Hill's probably not going to play, or if he does, he won't be 100%. And their leading tackler is a linebacker. His name escapes me. He's out for the season. Weird things happen in Lubbock. Yeah. This could be a game that – it could be an absolute trap game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, like – I'm worried that we're going to all watch that game at 11 a.m. and be rooting so hard for Texas Tech. It's going to be a heartbreaking Saturday. Oh, absolutely. right. Because we're not going to have our normal one trip to the ER Oklahoma State game. We're also going to combine that with a Texas Tech ER game. And now we're going to get to feel like Texas Tech fans, and they don't feel good because they go up four touchdowns, and they're still like, "Uh uh-oh. When's
0: (laughs) the the defense collapse going to happen? Absolutely. See, it's one of those weird things like, I've said for a long time, and I've said it all season. I don't think Kenny Hill is very good, and I think if Texas Tech comes out and absolutely punches them in the mouth and it goes up two quick scores, that game could go sideways really quick for TCU. Yeah, TCU is built to play with a lead, and when they don't have a lead, they
1: can't play football. You Sounds saw familiar. that. You Sounds saw familiar, that, doesn't yeah, it? You saw that at Iowa State. You saw that at Oklahoma.
0: As soon as they're down, it's over. Mm-hmm. And so, I think you, you get like a long touchdown from Shimanek to Kikute, and then you get a three and out, another score. I mean, that, that could – it could go sideways really quick. Yeah. And I'm and I'm and all I'm worried about is that we root so hard and Texas Tech comes through and we drop the game to K-State. See, I don't think that will happen. I, I, I really don't I – I, I mean, so I absolutely see a scenario where it could, but I think Oklahoma State's so motivated right now, especially after winning that huge game against Iowa State, that no one, even in the media, really thought that they were going to go in and win because of how, you know, people think, okay, Iowa State's actually not that bad. And they're, they're not. They're a good team. Yeah. But that's still a huge win. I think they're definitely motivated because they know what they need to do, and if they get it done, then other things can happen elsewhere. And they'll they will announce that game if Texas Tech ends up winning that game. They'll announce that at Boone Pickens Stadium. And that'll be right around kickoff. You know, middle of the first quarter probably when that gets announced. And I'm telling you, if Oklahoma State if if they find out the Tech wins, I don't think the number exists for how many points we are going to put on Kansas State.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, and that, what's funny is that's the reason I'm not going to the Oklahoma State game on Saturday. You're not going? No, no. because I'm like I gotta
0: watch the Texas Tech
1: game. I'll be a tailgate. I'll find a
0: TV. I'll, yeah. I'll go and pop over every now because and and, I don't want to so, watch it too
1: intently. But so are you? Yeah, you're gonna leave. You're gonna leave the game in the fourth quarter if it's close, and then you got to get to the
0: kickoff for Oklahoma State. Like I couldn't do that. So uh, I'll just. Like, re- I have the ESPN app. I'll just refresh. Yeah. Like, I, so, I, I don't want to watch it too intently because I know that if I do that, then Texas Tech will crack. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just go over. You know, keep tabs on it. And then once I see those going, I'm like, oh, this is real.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I, I, like, that game and the Auburn-Alabama game, I can't believe we get to finally root for Alabama to win out. God, for something that good to And it just hurts. <laughs> and It hurts <laughs>
0: me just, just a little bit in my heart.
1: And so everything else is just, you know, whatever. Because if right. Alabama wins out, one team league SEC, one team league ACC, one team league Big Ten, who's going to get the fourth spot? Right. Stanford <laughs> needs to beat Notre Dame for me to feel really
0: good. Yeah. And um, I, that would not surprise me if it happened. I think Bryce Hall's yeah. gonna be able to run all over him, I think. Yeah. At least I hope, because I, I was pretty high on Notre Dame. I thought they were actually gonna be a decent team and then they just the turnover chain just yeah, destroyed bad. them. Which by the way, the turnover chain is the greatest thing I've seen in college football in like the last like five years. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. It's so Miami. Yeah. <laughs> and and so like that
1: what I'm hoping for is that Miami like runs through the schedule, throttles Clemson because Clemson looked elite at the start of the year and now they're kinda of limping along, but mm-hmm. some for some reason everybody's like, They're great. You're like, why? It's because they won the national championship last right. year. People are still sticking with that. It's that's right. And they have the Sean top Watson numbers. under center last year. Yeah. And then now you have, uh, so if Miami wins out and throttles Clemson in that game, which they could,
0: yeah, they're going to be number one. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think you're absolutely right. And if we can get that four spot and we play Miami, and Miami doesn't have a good offense, no, they rely completely on the turnover on defense. We don't turn the ball over, yeah, minus fumbles.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that plays really well for Oklahoma State. I think it could. I mean, absolutely. I would, I would love playing Miami. I think that would be fun. Because I, I just don't. I don't want to play Alabama. That's the only team I yeah. don't want to play. Anyone else, I feel okay. I think our offense is good enough to to make a run and play a, a solid game to win us a game. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we got to rely on our offense uh, to a certain extent. Like the defense is good, but we got to we got to score. Yeah. We absolutely and, and, have to and, score.
1: And what this is all you know? This is all worthless talk if. Oklahoma State doesn't win out. And that, like, you think about this scenario, the craziest thing that has to happen is the Big 12. Mm -hmm. TCU has to lose on the road to a bad tech team. And then Oklahoma State has to win Bedlam round two.
0: In Dallas. Yeah, where see, we've I never I, won in Jerry World. See, I th- but I think on a neutral side I feel almost better about Bedlam than I do either when it's here or there. I, I think feel so. Way better it's when not gonna feel like Bedlam as much. Exactly. And so I think that it. will feel like another nice. game.
1: And it, how cool is it that
0: no Oklahoma fan wants to play Oklahoma State again? Yep. I've, I've now, never I've felt talk, that before. Everybody's like, to We me. don't want that to happen. No. Yeah, I've talked to a couple of OU fans. They said, "Yeah, we are terrified to play you guys again because you, we know that you guys should have won that game." And when an OU fan can admit that, you know that Oklahoma State should have won that game.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it, it's interesting because obviously Oklahoma State has to play that game, mm-hmm. and like we have to want to play OU because that's the goal yeah. is to get to the Big Twelve championship game. But I legitimately want to play OU again. I, 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 I do too. I know I that I
0: might actually go into cardiac arrest in about the middle of the third quarter when it's getting crazy, but I want to see it again. I really do.
1: I mean, I loved it. It was just elite offense going against elite offense. The defense trying to just trip somebody and cause like a fumble or a third down yeah. or something. And it just and it felt like
0: every play was the game, which mm-hmm. was so cool. I couldn't he, even watch. I didn't even watch the Chad white or interception. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it because I just saw third and six. I said I'm just gonna sit down. Everyone else is stand up, and I said I'll react with the crowd. And, and I hear everyone. I hear yeah, and I'd stand up and I watched Chad White run down the 20 yard line. I just went like, what just happened? Like this is meant to be. And no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that was it, was it was amazing. I think Chad Weiner could have scored, but he
1: said he saw Baker Mayfield and said, "I'm just going to take this dude out." Did you yeah. see that he lowered his shoulder and just popped Baker Mayfield? And then Baker Mayfield got up and limped for attention, and yeah. then
0: you know he was fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, and nothing would be sweeter than going into Jared World playing against Oklahoma, who's locked for the playoff, and yeah. then beating them. And Baker Mayfield's last, you know, meaningful game is, is, that, is that, and and. Oh, that would be sweet. I want to see us sack him like five times, just like I mean, we sacked him six. If you told Cowan me that, Bundage. if you told me that Baker Mayfield throws two picks and gets sacked six times, um, and we score fifty-two
0: points, uh, ball game. We, I think we win by two touchdowns. Yeah, nope, <laughs> it never has Didn't to be happen. easy, right? Yeah, Ugh, why does Oklahoma State never make it easy? I know. Um, I'm so. almost, I'm almost getting to the point with the playoff. Like I, I've been saying like since I was you know in Elmhurst. Like there needs to be a playoff. Like you can't have the BCS. It's so biased. It doesn't work. And now I'm looking at the playoff. Like this is almost worse than the
1: BCS. No, keep the BCS formula. Just add two teams. There's yeah.
0: nothing wrong with the BCS. There was all these or eight teams. Yeah, you go to an 18 playoff. I think the 18 playoff would be perfect because you have the every conference champion. No one gets left out. And then you have the group of five. It's kind of the Cinderella. Just see what happens. And then you got two at large. Now the at large. That's where it's going to get interesting because you know a conference is going to get two, maybe even three teams in. But at that point, like you know, at least when you have eight, okay, these legitimately are the eight best teams. There's going to be snubs, but I think when you have eight, it a makes things more interesting. And you have that one team that can't overlook the eight. You know that group of five team. You know that I think that would be that would be fascinating. Like you have, you know, Alabama playing Central Florida. And Central Florida is not a bad team. They could sneak up on somebody. And I think that would be – you would finally get, like, a true champion. Ohio State proved you needed the playoff in the first year when they were the four seed snuck in and beat Alabama and then beat Oregon, who I thought was going to win the national championship. So you see that the playoff system works, but you just need to add more teams. I think the four team – I think this is going to be the year that proves, okay, we need more. Yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. I mean, what, why
1: do we have three, four weeks off between the last game and bowl games? Like, what are we doing? Right. And I understand that it's for practices and more reps and all this stuff, and it's for developing and and for more money because it's New Year's, right? And so, but do it where you have one week off and then playoffs start. I mean, right? I think that would be awesome. And then I could even do a six-team playoff where it's every conference champion and then the battle for the six. And I think that would work because you could give. Then it would still matter about who's number one and who's number two because you get a buy because they would get a buy, and but i think the 18 playoff would be cool cuz if you do the 18 playoff who says the first round have it at the at the home field team like yeah that would be fun i think that would be, be crazy really fun. And people would really watch those selection shows to say did we get do we get another football game at we home get a home game yeah. yeah
0: do we get a night game finally yeah i know hopefully that would be a night game we yeah. get the 11 a.m. no no we get the 11 a.m. slot we get the 11 a.m. to versus 6 matchup see i'm going to laugh because obviously the K- the state game this weekend is at 2:30 i'm going to laugh if the the KU game is a seven o'clock kick. Yeah, I'm coming back for it anyways, even though it's Thanksgiving weekend. Like I'm gonna be back for it. I will laugh if it's a night game.
1: Yeah, it will be. It'll be. It'll be night game seven o'clock on Fox, prime time.
0: Gus Johnson, Joel Clatt. You know, it's Kansas. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be funny. I love it. Hey, you want to talk a little bit of college basketball? Yeah, what let's do I it. Like? Um, I think
1: that Kansas looks good, but I think this is the year.
0: That they're not going to win the Big 12. Yeah, I see. I've said that every year for the last five years, and they always seem to. This is the first year in a while that people actually pick Kansas to win the Big 12. Yeah. Because I think that just the entire conference is just down compared to last year. And that's not saying that teams are bad. I think there's just just going to be a little bit of a drop. Yeah. Because it's like Kansas and then the middle of the pack, at least last year, we knew Kansas is really good. Baylor's really good. Iowa State's really good. And then. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, you know, Kansas State and that you kinda the middle and then you had, you know, down at the bottom T C U. TCU came out of nowhere too. Yeah. The NIT I think.
1: Yeah, I mean and this year it's it's gonna be, you know, Kansas, West Virginia, Baylor, those are all three really solid basketball Mm -hmm. teams. Then you have Texas, Texas Tech, OU, TCU that are all solid basketball teams, and then you have Oklahoma State, Iowa State that are just the complete outliers. Yeah, because you just
0: don't know where they're going to end up. And here's right. the thing: Oklahoma State might actually be pretty good.
1: Yeah, and, and I and I was, I've been talking about this a lot, but under the Brad Underwood teams, under the Travis Ford teams, both guys preach defense, right? Mm-hmm. Travis Ford's form of defense was if you get beat, big man slide over, commit a foul. Yeah, right. No easy baskets, and that's fine. That that works. Whatever. Um, yeah. But it gives you foul trouble. We're too thin for that. Underwood's defense was just cause chaos. And, and it never worked. Right? It never worked. And, it, and in the in the non-conference, it was like, wow, this team And then we saw conference play. This and team was amazing. Game. Right, and then they go to conference play. And we're doing this attacking defense. And it, the offense are moving the ball easy. We're getting beat on back cuts. We're getting beat open layups. I mean, so many. Op- that West Virginia not, game. Oh, that hurt. Dude, I think we gave hurt. up 80 points in layups. Yeah, that hurt. And... and then he made the adjustment and kind of backed off the defense a little bit. Just made, let him play made, the wings made, a little made bit. teams make shots. And so Boyden has this, like, it's, it's incredible. The guys are getting beat. Other guys are rotating. And he does this thing where his guy gets beat. And so he runs, like, okay, so the point guard's at the top of the key. Goes left. Beats the guy. Guy steps over to help from the corner. Guy that gets beat goes to guard the guy in the corner. It, it, I mean, you don't see it a lot in college basketball. You see it mostly in the NBA. But it's fantastic rotation. That's like, how I, you do it. I mean, that, that guy in the corner was always open with Underwood and Ford's defense. It's it's not there. No, and it's one of my favorite things to watch. Is they're it's like they're not switching screens. They're literally switching, getting
0: beat. And so yeah. like that guy gets beat. Boom. Forget about that guy. That guy's gonna. Step that, you got, that's when you, That's when you know this team at least trusts each other because they're trusting funneling to their help. Yeah. And even if that's like, that means, oh, I got beat, but no, because and Solomon are right there. I'm going to go and get this guy in the wing. When you have de- defense, defense is so important to basketball because here's the thing about basketball that sucks great offense will always beat great defense. But you have great defense and you force shots, you know, even just bad shots, force shots at the end of a shot clock, you're going to win a game.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that, um, I think this is a perfect hire for Oklahoma State. And once I when I saw it happen, everybody freaked out, right? Yeah, I was
0: really hesitant at first, all a bit. Like, I, and I
1: I got so excited when it happened because anytime you see a really young guy that has you know no head coaching experience and get a job, you're like that guy must be brilliant mm-hmm. because he went into a room of not just Holder but Holder and a thousand other people, yeah, and blew them away, right? And like right. all these dudes that are head of the head of everything, he went in there and just blew them up, and they were like. This dude needs the job. I mean, he is so smart and gifted at what he's doing that he was able to convince a group of people that care so much about winning in Oklahoma State Athletics that a guy that's never coached before can take over a Big 12 program. As soon as I saw that name, I was like, yes, this is what this is what it is. I mean, yeah. if, if you hire, you know, we could have done the boring hire of, you know, some guy that did well somewhere else and then struggled and then left, like... Um, I can't remember remember his name. The Indiana guy. Oh, Archie, uh,
0: Archie Miller. No, that um, Dayton. Oh, uh, no, that was that. was the uh... it was the Dayton guy.
1: Yeah, Archie Miller's the Dayton guy. Yeah, but the Indiana guy, I can't remember his name. He looks like a uh, Tom Arnold, the actor.
0: Oh, I can't think of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, anyway, whatever. That guy's that guy. I was like, we're gonna hire him. It's gonna be it. that guy was good at Indiana, and then he left, and then now he now he struggles. Um. And he's going to come in here and run the same boring stuff, and then right, and then hopefully it works. And now we've got Boynton, who's young, and he's willing to try everything. You've seen that. You, you saw the adjustment. I don't know how many of you guys have watched Oklahoma State basketball this year, but the adjustment from the exhibition game to the first game night was night. unbelievable. It was and, night it. Night. and it was a week. And he just said, okay, this doesn't work. This is what we do. And they didn't do it. I was right. Archie Miller is the head coach at Indiana. No, he is now. But the coach before, oh, that, uh, oh, Tom
0: Crean. Yeah, Tom uh, Crean. Okay, right. I didn't know what you were referring to. Yeah, so I thought, so I thought Tom Crean was going to come here after Indiana fired him. Oh, okay. Was like, I was I was thinking of the current guy. No big deal. And this is why this is live and uncut and hilarious. Yes, yeah. there we go. Um, and so I think that they're going to throttle ORU tonight.
1: ORU is yeah. bad. Um, but, I think I'll have a little bit of extra then because Scott Sutton's here now. And I think that was yeah, a slam dunk. It was. Just it perfect hire. And and talk about the stones
0: from Mike Boynton <laughs> to hire a Sutton to sit in the seat next to him while he's a head coach. I mean yeah, that I think that's incredible. And, and that and, shows his confidence. Yeah, and Scott Sutton is so happy to be here. I think it, I think he's he's been waiting for an opportunity, I think, to come back here. I knew he was going to probably at the end of his coaching career, but man, I think that's incredible. Yeah, definitely. I love everything about it.
1: Um I could see this team losing Probably three non-conference games. Uh, Got a huge test coming up on Monday. A&M. A&M and then, I, I watched um, the A&M West Virginia game. A&M is insanely talented. Given always. it was played at midnight in you know, Germany. Yeah. So to get it to prime time <laughs> here. here, they played it at midnight. West Virginia relies on f- beating you physically. Press you know, physical conditioning. All this stuff. They're playing at midnight. I mean, that's a little bit of a disadvantage. Right. Um, and plus, West Virginia, you can never... They're the one team in college basketball that you would never bet on because it's no. like they're either gonna their game completely relies on officiating. If they get tight officials, they're not gonna win. If right. the officials let them get away with stuff,
0: they're gonna win. And so, but a And M look elite. I mean, Wichita State's solid too. We got them in Stillwater. That could be if if Oklahoma State can put it together by then. You know, in a couple of weeks, that could be a really good game. And that even was, if Oklahoma State loses by, you know eight to ten points I'd still feel yeah. pretty good going into conference points and that was Just the game solid.
1: that was the game last year that everybody said whoa we're good we right. went to Wichita State we beat a bunch of nobodies we go to Wichita State and, and it's rush them." and everybody's like oh my gosh what's going on at Oklahoma State right and you know we get that game at home this year Wichita State's a top ten team they're playing well um, you know I think it'll be close I think Gallagher's worth about 20 points I mean I really I think really, it is yeah. uh, when it's at its peak and hopefully it will be that game um I think the A and M game Monday will be interesting. I'm really excited to watch it. I don't know if it'll be close. I don't know if we'll play well. We'll see. But I'm really excited to watch a meaningful Oklahoma State basketball game in November and see how Mike Boynton coaches in his hometown in Brooklyn and Oh yeah, I forgot um, about that. That'll be he, interesting. Yeah, he gets to go back there in his first year coaching and you know he'll have a big, you know, following there. And I think that'll be an interesting game and hopefully this next week we're talking about amazing Mike Boynton and the incredible Bro. Oklahoma State turnaround already. So uh who do you think is gonna be the
0: biggest key for the team this season? I mean, obviously Jeffrey Carroll needs to be in the lineup. Yes. Um, he he's I've the, heard he might come back next year. Yeah, week, he's the big he's a big
1: twelve leading scorer, re- t- returning Big Twelve preseason player of the year. I mean, he has to play. Everything that is designed through him, but I think the key to the team is Devon Dillard.
0: Like okay, he needs yeah. to be
1: playing basketball at Gallagher and not the Colvin. Yeah. Like he was during the game last like the other night. Yeah. They were saying, Oh, Devon's at the Colvin I'm like, Well, there's a game at Gallagher going on. He should be playing in it. Um, right. Right. He he's a top ten player in the Big Twelve when he when he when, plays. Yep. And so, you know, he needs to he needs to get out there and behave and get on the court and Boyton's a no-nonsense kind of guy, and I think that's nice to see that he had... I love that. I absolutely love that. eight scholarship players, and he said, Devon, you're suspended. Zach Dawson, you're suspended. You're not playing today. Now we have seven scholarship players. I mean, mm-hmm. good
0: for him. Yep. Now, the guy that I'm really looking forward to, and I think that he's going to be huge, especially in conference play, is Sima. When he can play, you've got a 6'11 rim, con- rim protector that can play a stretch four as well and has a little bit of a mid-range game that maybe Solomon and Gasson don't have that's going to be huge. And when you have three guys you can rotate in at 6'9", six, 6'11", six, and 7 foot, in the Big 12, that's huge. When it's a, all about shooters. You know, they, I'm interested when Oklahoma State plays KU, you got to Azabuke. And then, Young know, Kuba first of all, two incredible names going yeah. back and forth. But he's a guy that can actually guard Azabuke. And I, because I think Stallman will just hack him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that will take pressure off of both of those guys because they do get into foul trouble. Because guys are driving the lane because they know that they'll foul. Yep. But when you have a third guy that you can rotate in, you're not going to, like, they're not, I don't think it'll be, you'll see as much hacking from both of those guys. I think that will be huge as well. And you just have that big, broad shouldered guy that's just going to go and bully people in the paint. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, it
1: helps, it helps to have some meat down there. And and Solomon is. Credit to him, he his body looks great. Yeah, for this he looks season. good. Yeah, his post um,
0: moves look really solid. Yeah, and so he he looks great, and, and Gasan as well. He looks like yeah, he put he on looks, a little bit of weight. He doesn't bigger. look as like baby deer running down yeah. the court now. He actually looks like he belongs, and I think that's going to be huge, especially as he continues to progress. The freshman, obviously, mean, I think Zach Dawson's going to be pretty good, but I think it's going to be a while. I think it's going to be a while. I think I bet mid January he's going to kind of come into his own. He reminds me of Markel Brown his freshman year. Yeah. It was like I Markel
1: that. was playing a lot, and it was just like replacing backboards at halftime. He's just throwing lasers. If you would really told me he was going to be an elite shooter his senior year, yeah. I would have said, no, that guy just dunked on people. Yeah. And
0: I think Zach Dawson reminds me a lot of that. Thomas Zog was pretty good. He's coming to his own, too. Exactly. Yeah. Last year I was like, I don't know when this dude's going to play, but I, I love the you know, just I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw up shots and then they're, I know they're going to go in. I love the confidence he showed, but he's made seven straight threes in two games. Like he, he went five for five against, uh, Charlotte the other night. Yeah. Like he's, he's going to be a really good shooter. I think, especially when they can get him open and work him in. Cause he, I think he's a little bit, he's not quite to the Phil Forte level yet of being able to create his own shot Definitely. on a three. He's got to run off a screen or something, but man, he can knock it down.
1: Yeah. And it comes out quick too. Uh, then you have Shine, who's gonna, who's a lockdown defender, and, and he can and, shoot, and he can shoot. And then Lindy Waters is basically the team's glue guy. He does everything that you need him to do, and he does all the little things right, and he can shoot. Yeah. Um. So I don't think this team is not going to finish tenth in the Big Twelve. No,
0: I think will I bet they'll be fifth or six. Yeah. There's, I think that's kinda there's what I'm no way. About. I think the ceiling is fifth. I, I bet. I think eighth. I think eighth is probably the floor. Yeah. Now, big-picture college basketball, Duke is probably going to win the national championship. Grayson Allen looks like he's done tripping people, and he's actually just going to focus and on basketball. That's dude, not good for the country. Yeah, the dude Marvin Bagley III, the dude that reclassified, so he didn't play his senior year of high school to come and play college basketball at Duke yeah that, I, Dude, he's a Michigan special State, player yeah.
1: that was a great game they look like the two best teams in college basketball yeah. I think we'll even, probably see that, that yeah. matchup again in the tournament I
0: think even Kentucky Kansas wasn't bad either I think both yeah. teams are just young yeah. Kansas yeah. is really young outside Devontae Graham and then do and then Kentucky is just a one-and-done university so they, yeah. it's always a revolving door they're always going to be young but Kevin Knox is really good too and I found he went to Tampa Catholic where DeZago went so they played together so you know that that dude's going to be pretty solid yeah I think it's gonna be fun year. I love college basketball season. Like when it overlaps with college football, it's a great. time Yeah, it's of year. the best time. When you got bowl games and you got the huge like, tournaments and all the you know getting into conference play, it's yeah. fun. And I got the and you got baseball off season, which is always fun. At least for me, I can sit back and watch the hot stove stuff. It's a great time of year, even when there's not games being. Yeah, played. definitely, it is. All right, well, I think that does it for today. Um, we didn't really do any ad reads in this one. We apologize for that. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of fun. Trey's been pretty good about that, but we were just we just got to talking on this one because we didn't do it last week, so we we're trying to do, play a little bit of catch up. But always be sure to go to buffetscandies.com, get some caramel corn, get some chocolate for the you know the family this holiday season, especially with Thanksgiving coming up next week. You gotta have snacks around the house when you're watching the Lions and the Cowboys, um, and when you're done eating turkey, go to Next Generation CrossFit in Tulsa and get yourself a workout. Tell them that you heard about them from us. You'll get a free workout and a free muscle milk at the end of your workout. So Be sure to check that out if you're in the Tulsa area. Anything else?
1: Yeah, Buffett Candy, thank you for sending me uh, some caramel corn. Uh, I forgot to bring it on the show. Maybe we'll eat it and be really annoying next week. And oh, then, like, Sounds perfect to yeah, me. Chomp yeah, chomp on the, chomp hey, on we, the we mic. we got to
0: get ready for Thanksgiving because we know we're going to be eating a lot on Thursday. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that's all we got for today, and we'll see you guys next week. I'm Joel. And I'm Trey. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody.